0: Uh, the epistle to the Galatians is our epistle, and uh, you know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that over 250 times it uses words like us and we and they and talking about people, and only about 49 times does it mention the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. So uh, the references to us far outnumber the references to to the Godhead, and so it really says that there's something that's really pointing towards us as a people that God is desiring to speak. Uh, The situation there was that an element had come into the church bringing a false gospel, and uh, uh, Paul the Apostle really challenged him. He says, I'm I'm perplexed, I'm stupefied that you're so removed from the gospel we preached to you, the truth that you had revealed in your life, to another gospel which is not a gospel at all. And so he's challenging them. And right here, he begins this, this really, this refutation or this, uh, uh, rebuttal to these false teachers that had number one challenged him on a personal level and challenged his message. And so all of this is happening after a tremendous revelation that had been brought into these people's lives. And so every single one of us, whether it happened in the last few days while you've been here, or maybe it's happened in some time past, depending how long you've walked with the Lord, you remember that time where a transformation happened in your life, something that wasn't a religious experience, something that wasn't just uh, 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 stirred up because of emotion, that literally you could say to yourself that there was a difference in me, that it wasn't because I went to church, it, it wasn't because I, I, I heard the right song on the radio and my emotions got stirred, that there's a marked difference in who I am as an individual. Folks, I remember those things. And I want those things to always just be vivid in my memory, that I don't. there's nothing that I would ever desire to go back to. Folks, listen, if the world was so good, I would have never left the world to begin with. I would have just went and reloaded and got something else. If it, if it was something so pleasing, there was something so desired. So any of you that are especially young in the faith, you think to yourself, man, you know what? I'm young and I want to go out and sow some wild oats. I tell you what, wild oats are not good oats. You hear me? And so that you can look around this room, people with a little bit of—I uh, was going to say gray in their temples—but I don't have any any in my temples uh, or, or anything in temples to have. But you can look at people that have lived that life, and folks that have had a testimony. Not even those that are are very old, and they can tell you about those years of compromise and and falling away from the Lord. There's nothing pleasing. There's nothing good. There's nothing satisfying about those times. So Paul comes and the people that have been transformed, a people that had seen that the the, the legalism of the law had got them nowhere. And all of a sudden he, he begins to call them out, reminding the people where they had come from. And he, he tells them, listen, guys, if there was somebody that, that demonstrated a, a devotion to that past life and, and to the law but of anything, it, w- it would have been me that that his life uh, though it was now a testimony of the power of God to change people. Amen. That's what he was sharing with them. So today what we're going to do is we're going to examine really what should be Probably two of the most encouraging verses of Scripture that we've had in our whole study of Galatians, and and I believe that they're really hope building and they're 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 condemnation destroying, and there are these two verses that we're hopefully going to look at uh, tonight in Galatians chapter one verses fifteen and sixteen, and I'll read them uh, to you tonight. And even here's what Paul the apostle said. He said even before I was born. He said, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And when this happened, he said, I did not rush out to consult with any human source or human being. And so I want to say this tonight, regardless if you've walked with the Lord a long time or you're young or you're old, this is a message to everyone that has ever failed God. Anybody in here ever know? in their life, that they have failed God miserably based upon the standard of the great love that he's demonstrated to us. What about the, anyone that's ever felt that they've received a raw deal in life? Reality. Some people just think, listen, man, I just felt like I got a raw deal. Why couldn't I have had a family like that? Why couldn't I have had a chance like that? Why couldn't I have had an opportunity like that? I got, got a raw deal. I can't. The things that have happened in my life don't happen to other people. Anybody ever felt like they had a raw deal? Whether you you pined away on that, if it was just for a second, maybe that entered your mind. Or to anyone that's ever thought that they were unsalvageable. You ever think that? You ever thought to yourself, you know what? God's done with me. Why on earth would God want to give me another chance? I I tasted of his goodness. I saw his mercy. You know what? I walked with him. How could God want me back after the things that I've done, after the things that I've thought, after the things that i said? Or to everyone that has ever thought that God might have been angry with them. that man, you know what? I put myself and I became the enemy of God. These two verses right here as we're going to look deeper into these words of Paul the Apostle should really cause a light to come on in every single one of us and bring a hope for something greater and bigger than our last failure or our last ability to to have the right family pedigree or to have the, the right education. These things should bring some Hope to us, And so tonight, what I want to do is kind of systematically kind of walk through this statement that Paul made and show you that it has the potential to be applicable to everyone in this room tonight. Don't you love that about the word? That God is no respecter of persons. When God gives something powerful, he doesn't say, listen, I'm just going to give it powerfully to Haley because you know what? She, she came from the right place. She's got the, uh, uh, the the right look. Or I'm not going to say, listen, i got something that's just strictly going to be reserved for Rachel. Don't you look when you look into the Word of God? You say, "Listen, that has the potential to impact my life just like it did their life." Paul the Apostle said this before I dive into Galatians one fifteen and sixteen. He said in First Corinthians eleven, uh, chapter one, the same the same Apostle he made a statement that I believe flies in the face of what is being said in the modern message in many churches. And here's what Paul the Apostle said. He said, "Be a follower of me, as I'm a follower of Christ." Be a follower of me as I am a follower of Christ. Why do I say that flies in the face of much that's said? Well, folks, you know what? You can hear lyrics to Christian songs. I remember many years ago, a song came out and it says, don't look at me if you're looking for perfection. Don't look at me. I will only let you down. And that was a big hit from a young lady that was kind of a Christian pop star. Now think about that message and people would do up to it. Don't look at me if you're looking for perfection. Don't look at me. I'll only let you down. What a sorry existence for a believer. Have we really digressed so much and have we really held the word of God and the power of God and the blood of Jesus in so low regard that we, what we've done is we're co- so committed to failure that we can never believe God for victory. Do you hear me? Or how about to the defeatism, and you hear things, you know what, man, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm just a poor old sinner. Folks, listen, I used to be a poor old sinner. That's why I got saved. You hear me? Now I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover, I'll cast out devils, amen, i believe God to open blinded eyes, I'll preach the word and see people get saved, amen, you hear what I'm saying, I'll take up serpents, I'm not on some stake handler, and I'll put myself in difficult situations, and I'll see God bring the victory. I'm not just some poor old sinner saved by grace. The Spirit of God is operating and functioning inside of my life, and if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's brand new. All that old stuff is passed away, and everything becomes new. Or to that repulsive example that's being set by Christian leaders. Listen, some of you have seen it, especially some of you pastors, Pastor Sam and and Pastor Darren, some of you men, uh, uh, Brother Richard. You've seen Christian leaders that have set such a horrendous example for people. You know what? They, They cheat on their wives. and They do these atrocities, and it's like they never miss a lick. They just... Say, listen, I'm real sorry for that. They just have another trophy wife, and they go on about their business. Folks, listen, that is repulsive, not just to me, but it's repulsive in the nostrils of God. And so this whole message, so when you say, follow me like I follow Christ, we're saying, listen, don't follow me because, listen, I'm just human. I'm going to make mistakes. Folks, listen, I'm not human. I'm born again. You hear me? I'm temporarily housed in this body of flesh, but one day mortality is going to put on immortality, and I'm going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of eye, and I'm going to be with him forever. That's the promise that I have inside of me. That's something to get excited about. You hear me? And if the salvation that you got is anything less than that, it's the same other gospel that was bewitching even the Galatians. Because if it doesn't change you, it doesn't empower you, if it doesn't embolden you, if it doesn't make you a little bit radical for the things of Christ, if it doesn't cast out all fear, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You hear me? Because it causes you not to look more like the world, but will cause you to look more like Jesus. You'll talk like Jesus. You'll believe like Jesus. You'll do things like Jesus did. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so instead of it being a message to follow me as I'm following Jesus, the message is to come this. Man's always going to fail you. You're only human, and only God can judge me. That's the prevalent message that's being echoed through people that claim to know Jesus. But I'm going to tell you this. I don't care if you're a preacher, a pastor, or a young person. If you're afraid or otherwise reluctant to declare to somebody to imitate you, you may need to reconsider who you're imitating. You hear me? If you can't walk up to your peers, you can't walk up to somebody in your life and say, listen, I am a great person for you to imitate. You need to fall on your face. You need to deny yourself, take up your cross and imitate Jesus so you can look at your friends. You can look at your brothers. You can look at your family. You can look at your coworkers and say, listen, if you're looking for example to follow, well, here you look no further. Don't have to turn on TBN or the Word Network. You don't have to go to some mega church. All you gotta do is look me up every single day because every single day I'm denying myself, I'm dying to myself, I'm taking at my cross, and I'm striving and pressing into the kingdom. That's just kind of scary to think about for some people. That's like, well, you want people, you want me to tell people to, to imitate me? Isn't that self-righteousness? No, self-righteousness says don't imitate me, I'm always gonna fail because self has nothing in our own heart. There's no good. But when I walk in the righteousness of God, man, there's something that comes inside of me. Do you hear me? So, the righteousness of God why? Because it's the wicked that flee, the self righteous that flee when no one is even pursuing after them. But the righteous come on, somebody. The righteous are the ones that are as bold as. As a line. Folks, I tell you what, I wouldn't be preaching the gospel in the middle of 50,000 people that could care less if I lived or died on Bourbon Street for 20 years without the boldness of God. You hear me? Man, I would be so discouraged. I would be so let down because why? I would continue to see this sea of humanity entering in a wide gate. Listen, they tell me I'm stupid. They tell me I'm worthless. They tell me I wasn't doing any good for the kingdom. But I tell you what, there's somebody that's greater inside of me than he that's inside of the world. And they may give up, but i tell you what, Jesus Christ is still leaving the 99 and going to the 1. Do you hear me? So to imitate is a word that suggests to fall in line with a prescribed pattern. Think about that just for a second. I am falling in line with a prescribed pattern. This is a statement that's so significant because it goes all the way back into the time of Moses and the construction of that first place that God established for man to meet with him after the fall. And we will tell you something tonight as we're looking at these words of, of Paul the Apostle. It's significant because it's dealing with what can be called the law of first mention or the law of first reference. In other words, it's going back to what somebody intended to be said to begin with. And so when he tells us, listen. I want you to be followers of me, and even before I was born, God called me by his marvelous grace, whatever Paul's saying. I want to go back and know what he's talking about within that context. So it's the law of first mention, the law of first reference. And so we go to that place where that principle that we're going to be talking about was established, and we want to align ourselves with that purpose. You hear me? Folks, when I got born again, radically born again, over 30 years ago, I've never for one second thought about turning back, period. And if if I'm boasting, I'm boasting in the Lord. And it wasn't because I had people coming and knocking on my door and, and, and visiting me and encouraging me. Man, something happened inside of Troy Bond's life. It was called being born again. Do you hear me? Nobody had to tell me I needed to read the Bible. The Spirit itself bore witness with my spirit that I was a child of God. And there was a hunger inside of me. Nobody told me that, man, you might need to think about going to church. No, somebody inside of me in the person of the Holy Spirit wanted me to draw near with a pure heart, to be in fellowship with the beloved. Nobody told me, listen, it would be a good idea to worship the Lord. No, you didn't have to play a song or get the keyboard or the guitar out or turn on Caleb or whatever it is. Man, there was something that was welling up inside of me. Do you hear me? That's what I got. And I don't believe God's a respecter of persons. What he gave to me is the same thing he's been giving out for 2,000 years. He set a pattern for every single one of us to follow. And here's that pattern that was initiated. It was in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He's saying, man, I thought we were in Galatians. We are in Galatians. What you're going to find is, man, this is a big old loaf of bread, and you got to eat all the sandwich. I'll throw in a word like that every once in a while just to see how you – you respond. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, somebody say, God said. Now I'm listening now. You hear me? Now God said, who said? God said, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you hear that? God said, right? So I'm paying attention. God said, it always happens. And so God said, let me make man in my image after our likeness. So the outcome. Because God says something, what's going to happen? He said, let there be light. What was the outcome? There was light. And so he said, let's make man in our image after our likeness. So the outcome of this was God walking with man in the cool of the day. It was a fellowship relationship. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. So God said, let's make man in our image, and they were made in his image. Well, then something happened. You remember what happened, right? Man sinned or functioned contrary to God's prescribed pattern. That's what happened. God established a pattern. Man sinned. In other words, man said, listen, God, I know your pattern. I know what you desire. I know the prescription for my life. And as long as I do that, I'm going to be functioning and operating within your image, within a reflection of you. But as soon as man sinned, something happened. He broke from that pattern, and he ceased in his ability to reflect the image of God. And so if you're not uh, reflecting the image of God, if you're not uh, reflecting the attitude of God, the spirit of God, the victory that comes through God, chances are you have stepped outside the parameters of God's prescription on how you should function. If you don't have joy, you're not reflecting Jesus. If you don't have peace, you're not reflecting Jesus. If you're not walking overcoming, you're not reflecting Jesus. And so what you've done is you've stepped away from God's pattern in that place that God wants you to reflect his character and be a reflection of him. And so man sinned and Isaiah 59, 1, 2 says, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, either is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But what? Your sin has separated you from God or your problems or your deficiencies are your problem. They're not God's problem. They've separated between you and God, and your sins have hid his face from you so that he cannot hear you. And so it wasn't a God problem. God's hand's not too short. He's not too busy. You don't say to yourself, well, God, you know what? I don't want to bother you with this because you're too busy taking care of something on the other side of Pluto or whatever else. No, God's hand's not too short. He can reach throughout the the universe. The Bible says that he holds the universe even within the span of his hand. So it's not a a God problem. The Bible says that his ear's not too heavy that he cannot hear. No, he's always inclining his ear to, to hear us. And so it's not a deficiency with him, but our iniquities, but breaking from that prescribed pattern has put us at difference to God. And so God's pattern or image provided the basis where man served as a physical representation of a spiritual God. You hear me? That's what he did. I became, through salvation, a physical representation of a spiritual God. See, that's big stuff. Rather than saying, you know what, man, I'm probably going to fail. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to succeed. Man, you know what, there's, 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 there's nothing I can do. You know what, hold on to God, don't follow man, follow follow God, all these things. Well, when the Spirit of God came upon men and he breathed life into them, they were a physical representation or ambassador for a spiritual God. Now, folks, once we've lowered the standard, once we've broke from that pattern, once we've seen ourselves different than what God desires to see ourselves, what's happened? the adversaries come in. He steered us away from the gospel, and we're following false gods, lower gods, and instead of just being all-out unbelievers, we become underbelievers. Well, we might believe enough just to acknowledge God, but we never believe him to the degree that we're going to be once again reflective of him. And so man fell, the pattern was destroyed, and it eliminates man's ability to dwell with God. Folks, listen, we're not going to back God into a corner through some measly sinner's prayer. Do you hear me? We're not. We're not going to catch him in some, 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 some religious abracadabra. Do you hear me? God's only going to dwell in the midst of righteousness. So it requires us to be righteous, to be sanctified. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't even touch the unclean thing. Then I'll receive you. Do you hear the conditions upon that? Come out from among them. Don't be trying to look like the world to win the world. Don't try to look like the world to to win God's favor. He says, listen, I want you to put on Christ Jesus so he can change and transform who you are. And so for the next 2,500 years, God had no dwelling place. Man fell for 2,500 years. God had no dwelling place amongst his people. He would just speak to them or visit them at particular times but he didn't have no place in their home, so to speak. He didn't have a dwelling place. There was not a place at all associated with his presence. Then he raised up this man named Moses. What does this have to do with Galatians? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you here in just a second. And in the wilderness, he said to him, Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, he said, let them construct a sanctuary, a dwelling place for me, so that I can dwell among them for 2,500 years. Since the fall, God had no place to dwell amongst his people. Then 2,500 years later, he spoke to Moses after he led the people out of Egyptian captivity. And he said, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I can dwell with them. And he said, make this tabernacle, this dwelling place, and all the furnishings. Here's the key part of that. Exactly like the pattern that I'm going to show you. So he sets a pattern in motion. He sets an image, man breaks with that pattern, 2,500 years after that exodus, he says, listen, I'm going to give you instructions that are going to provide a pattern to bring back a dwelling place to my people. It was after Noah, after the great flood, after Abraham, after Isaac, after Jacob, after the story of Joseph, all those things that happened, God still didn't have a dwelling place, and he said, I want to give you something that's going to provide a pattern to restore that relationship. And he said, "Let them construct a sanctuary for me because I want to dwell with them." He said, "Make it exactly." Somebody say exactly, like the pattern I will show you. Now, I promise I'm going to show you the significance of all this in relationship to the Apostle Paul's statement in Galatians 1:15. And here's what he said. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul the apostle speaking. He said, "Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. I want to read that again. even before I was born, God called me, God chose me by His marvelous grace. Let me give you three things if you're taking notes tonight. ABC,, you can write it down. The A is this: At the creation of man, God established a pattern or order of things that would be compatible with His presence. At the creation of man, God said, "Listen. I'm going to give you a pattern, and I'm going to be give you a a a a a, a protocol that's going to be compatible with my presence. It's like somebody comes to, to goes to work for you. Say, hey, listen, I want you to come to work for me, but here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pick on Brother Dave Richard since he just retired, so this won't apply to him any longer. Okay, I want you to go to work for me, Mr. Richard, but I need you to show up every morning, Monday through Friday, by seven o'clock, okay? Here's the eight things that you need to accomplish within the framework of that day. You can have a 15-minute break at 10 a.m. You can have an hour-long lunch. You can have another 15-minute break at three. Then by five o'clock, you can be gone, okay? And I need you to do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. On Friday before you leave, I need you to give me this ledger sheet showing me that you've done these things. And as long as you do those things, you are compatible with this company. Okay? And there's gonna be a financial remuneration or a benefit that's gonna be associated with you doing those things. Okay? And as long as you do those things, you have a job. You stop doing those things, you're gonna put your job at risk. Well, you may not lose your job the first week, then if you don't you come up short or the second week, but if that becomes a pattern that your pattern becomes breaking from the pattern, I'm going to have to give you your pink slip. Okay? Folks, that's exactly what happened with the gospel. God created man in his own image. He gave them instructions to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth, and to take dominion. And as long as you do those things, those things, and you don't eat from the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have a compatible relationship. There's a benefit associated with it. You break with that, you break with be in my dwelling place, or me to be able to associate with you. Folks, listen. It hasn't changed. You hear me? It hasn't changed. God hasn't dumbed it down because of the proliferation of porn on on the internet. God hasn't dumbed it down because of the number of people getting divorced. God hasn't dumbed it down because some uh, other type of religious gurus have shown uh, shown up and, and pointed you into a wide gate. God has not changed to fit somebody else's pattern. He said, I am the Lord God, and I do not change. The pattern was from the beginning, and the pattern is right now. The standard was from the beginning, and the standard is right now. I am the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, the same yesterday. I'm the same today. And if you don't like it, you better get used to it, because I'm going to be the same forevermore. And so my life has got to come into agreement and into alignment with the pattern that God has established. And, folks, listen, I said this a week or so ago. Most people, if they ever just stopped and thought about it, they wouldn't have any interest in going to heaven. Hear it. They wouldn't. If you begin to talk to people about heaven, why? Because God is a God of order. And if we think that, man, I tell you what, that we have to live under discipline now. Man, wait till the, the, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. You think there's going to be discipline now? If you say if Tupac says that only God can judge me? Folks, you would much rather me judge you than God. You hear me? I might be able to hurt your feelings. I might be able to disappoint you. But when God judges, his judgment is swift, it's true, and it's eternal. You hear me? Don't fear those that can kill your body, but fear those that can kill your body and cast your soul into hell. And so most people won't even like going to heaven because it's not. I'm just going to go fishing on the sea of glass, and I can't wait to get there because there's some old friends that I want to look up that I used to go to church with, and and you know what? We're going to get these. We're going to go four-wheeling on the on the, on on these beautiful plains and all these type of things. And folks, listen, it ain't going to be like that. I've called you to be kings, and I've called you to be priests. There's an order to be a king. There's an order to being a priest. You're going to have to fall in alignment with order. And folks, listen, I don't want to fall in alignment with order now. That way it's qualifying me for that rather than qualifying me for the chaos of hell. Do you hear me? So at the creation, God established a pattern of order that would be compatible with his presence. B, but at the fall of man, that pattern was destroyed along with man's access to his presence. The pattern was destroyed. Man was kicked out of the garden. There was a a gate put up. They were blocked. Fiery angels with swords prevented them from re entering in. And for 2,500 years, man did not have access into that place. And see, because it's always been God's desire to have fellowship with man, he provided a pattern through that tabernacle of Moses and subsequently through the temple that was built for that fellowship to be restored. Okay? The tabernacle, the temple, was a place and a way for the fellowship to be restored, albeit very limited, obviously. Limited to just the high priest, two times on the Day of Atonement, he went in. But nonetheless, the the glory of God was present in the midst of the people. Now, folks, you got to think about and remember this. Prior to the establishment of the tabernacle, where the Shekinah glory of the Lord was, God would at various times speak to men. He'd speak through something called Christophany. Some of you are familiar with the term Christophany or theophany. And it's when Christ would appear before the incarnation. Okay? Jesus didn't start existing right there in that little town of Bethlehem as we sing about our Christmas song. Oh, it's ne- little baby Jesus. Man, I bet he's confused about who he was. No, he always has been. Everything that was created was created by him. Okay? So our little baby Jesus that we didn't think even existed before his incarnation, no, that was just a physical body that the Spirit of God came inside of as God the Son. He existed always. Here's an example, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him, and he had a sword in his hand. And Joshua went up and and demanded of him. He said, are you a friend or foe? The man said, neither one. He replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Okay? And then, and with this, Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, I want you to take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy. And Joshua did what he said. But you're saying, that didn't say Jesus. That didn't say God. Oh, sure it did. If you know the Bible, it did. Why? Because he accepted Joshua's worship, which is only reserved for God. If you don't believe me, read Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Okay? So he received worship. And so John the Revelator writes concerning an angel, he said, when the angel, he said, I fell down at an angel's feet to worship him, but he said, no, don't worship me. He said, I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith. He said, worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus, okay? So this one right here that we're looking at in Joshua 5, that was Jesus before he became known as Jesus. Additionally, he declared that the ground that he stood upon was holy ground. Folks, anywhere in the Bible, the only places that set aside or claimed by God, uh, where he's at is called holy. You'll see that in Revelation chapter three, uh, excuse me, Exodus three, verse five. Write that down in your notes. I'm not going to turn there. The second time we see it, Moses approaching the burning bush and the voice warns that do not come any closer. The Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Here's another example of a Christophany, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know the story, right? They refused to, to pay homage, to bow down to the, to the idol under Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 3, chapter twenty-five, chapter 3, verse 25. They threw them in the fire. They said, look, he answered, I see four men. I thought it was only three men walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And Nebuchadnezzar said, but that fourth one looks like the Son of God. He was already present. I personally believe Genesis 32, 22 through 32, uh, the, the, the story of, of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord, I believe that was a Christophany. I also believe in Genesis 14, the story of Melchizedek, I believe that was a, a Christophany. But folks, listen, I, I say all that, and I'm not talking or chasing rabbits in this Galatians. I've got to lay a groundwork for something for you, otherwise you're going to miss the depth of what he has for us and the promise for every single one of us as a believer. Exodus 25, 8 and 9, here's what he goes on to say. He says, let them construct that sanctuary for me so I can dwell with them. He said, make it exactly like the pattern. That I'm going to show you, folks. We're talking about falling in alignment with the pattern of God to be able to have the benefits of that alignment and that relationship. He said, "Construct a sanctuary, construct a tabernacle, a place to dwell in." Folks, every one of those, I could say it, they're all just interchangeable words, but they're important because Galatians 1:15 says, "Even before I was born, long before I existed, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace." God chose me, and God called me. How many of you in this place believe tonight without any reservation that before you were born, God called you and God chose you? Okay. A smattering of people that are paying attention. Amen. Why do you believe that? See, the first question is the easy one, right? Do you believe that? Uh, Yeah, I believe it. Why? Because I'm supposed to believe it. Okay. Well, why do you believe that? Folks, it's not enough just to believe something. Why? Because if you just believe something, you can just not believe something. You hear me? And that's the problem with the church. There's a great famine that's come upon the body of Christ. It's not a famine of, 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 of food or of water. It's a famine of, of hearing and knowing the word of God. There's a generation, he said, that's going to rise up that does not know God or remember the wonderful things that he's done. Folks, the most wonderful thing that God ever did was provided a way for us to dwell with him so I can say, listen, are you going to dwell with him? Why? Well, because Jesus died and he went away to prepare a place for me. And in my father's house, there's many dwelling places. And where I am, you shall be also. And if it wasn't so, I would have told you. What does that mean to you? I don't really know. But, man, it's easy to quote. He once dwelt with men, tabernacled with men. In the Garden of Eden, right? We know that. And every bit of that was in accordance and agreement with the pattern that he had established. That pattern shattered by sin. Sin came in, breach of a relationship. You ever have that happen to you? Man, I'm doing so good with God. Man, something comes in, a temptation or a thought, or uh, I get angry with someone and I'm not walking in forgiveness. And you feel that breach. Anybody ever been there besides me and Pastor Sam? Amen. Amen. That happens, and so it separates. So the pattern was shattered by sin, made it impossible, because sin separates, for God to dwell intimately with man. So once again, let me say once again, he gave man a plan to provide a temporary type, a type and shadow, the tabernacle, that would be sanctified or set apart, called holy for him, and it would be acceptable to men that were also set apart, called holy, which we call the priesthood. And so that was the pattern, okay? The tabernacle of rulers was the pattern to get back to what Paul was declaring right here in Galatians 1.15. And so it was a pattern because once Jesus ceased to reveal himself through the means of the Christophanies, or theophanies, what it did is it opened up the door for him not only to reveal himself to man, but also through man. Folks, it's one thing to have God reveal himself to you. I mean, that's exciting. I man, if have you ever been in that moment, maybe it was in worship of the word, and man, God just revealed himself to you? You're thinking, man, God just revealed himself to me. Folks, that's real good. But you know what? All that affects is you. Man, I want to be so close to him. I want to tabernacle to him so much that it's not God revealing himself to me. Why? Because he can reveal himself to me from a distance. I want God to reveal himself through me. That I have found myself in a lifestyle and in a faith that's now compatible with his presence. That I now resonate with the presence of God. And so God can demonstrate once again and reflect his presence in my life. Because we all got God revealing himself too. I can preach the word and give you just a B-flat gospel. And you know what? You're never going to be able to deny that God didn't reveal Himself to it. Why? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. I can preach that Word. That Word became flesh. It dwelt among us. I can reveal Christ Jesus to you. Now, what you do with that revelation is up to you. But man, when we come to the point, I man, where I am now in alignment through repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And now when people look into my life, the testimony of it, it is like, man, God is revealing himself through you. Man, your words ring like iron upon an anvil. Man, there's power and there's life. Man, it's just not sheer wisdom. It's not, it's not fortune cookie Christianity. Man, there's something to it. It's not just like chewing up gum and after a few minutes the flavor's gone. Man, it's something that gets deep into my soul and it changed me. God is revealing himself through me. Folks, that's going to be our goal, but there's a price for that. And the price is the pattern that God has established through his word. We're going to fast forward 2,500 years from that original pattern to the time of God's substitute pattern, that tabernacle. And now we're going to fast forward 1,500 years to the restoration of God's original pattern and design. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. Here's the restoration of that original pattern. If you love me, you love God. If you love me, obey my commandments. Get in alignment with my prescribed pattern. If you love me, Live the way I told you to live. Do you love me? You keep my commandments. If you say you love me, but you don't keep my commandments, you're not on a journey. You're not religious. You're not trying hard. The Bible says that you are a liar. You hear me? And we know Revelation 21.8, no liar goes to heaven. No liar is going to be in that eternal place of abode. If you love me, obey my commandments, get in alignment with my prescribed pattern, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, he is the Holy Spirit. Well, you can get this Pentecostal boy up here shouting tonight. He is the Holy Spirit, if you prefer the Holy Ghost, amen. Pastor Brandon, I'll do that too. And he leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Why? Because they're not looking for him. They're not in alignment with his prescribed course of order. They're not looking for him, and it doesn't even recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now, but he is going to be inside of you. Folks, I don't want to just God live near me. you hear me? I want the Spirit of God to be inside of me. I don't want to be a neighbor that talks about, man, I live down the street from a guy that's in the NFL. You hear what I'm saying? I don't want to just say I wave at him when he goes by and I tell everybody, oh, yeah, he's my neighbor. That guy's like, well, man, who's that cook always waving at me? Folks, I don't want God to live near me. I want God to live inside of me. I want to have a a relationship that's validated because of his presence. He says he lives with you, or not unlike those Christophanies, because when he was a Christophany, a theophany, before he was manifested, he lived around the people. He would show up periodically. He would show up when, when, when Jacob wrestled with the, uh, the, the angel of the Lord. He'd show up in the, as the fourth man in the, in, in the fiery furnace. He'd show up as, as the, the, the priest after the order of Matthew. Said. He'd show up in those situations. But he will be in you later on, It said. The constant, intimate, and initial intent of that relationship. You hear me? That's the desire of God. Not something that I've got to conjure up and say, man, I can't wait to get to church so I can feel the presence of the Lord. We need to say, I can't wait to get to church so they can feel the presence of the Lord. Do you hear me? Man, I can't wait to get to church. Why? Because, man, that band is, man just ushers in the presence. Man, I want people to say about me is, man, God just revealed himself to me. Man, man, I, I bet they can't wait till I get past that sign because man, they want to feel the presence of God and they know that I've been seeking His face. I've been putting the plan, the price. I've been aligning myself with His will and His power and His fire. Man, I bet they can't wait till I show up at their church. Not because I got the right message or the right song, because I'm in alignment and I'm following the right pattern of Jesus in my life. Amen. First John four three. This is how we know that we live in Him and He be in us or we're His tabernacle, Amen. Because He has given us of His Spirit. Then you're going to know if I do it because I'm going to have His Spirit, Amen. First Corinthians three sixteen. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, according to the pattern? I love it that He He said that just like we looked at in Exodus chapter twenty five eight and nine. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, that dwelling place, that tabernacle that God's Spirit dwells inside of? You don't ask me how that relates. I'm about to give it to you in Galatians 1.15 specifically. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Folks, what this does, okay, this ties all that stuff together. Folks, we get so used to this being the one-hit wonder biblically, and we just kind of pull something out. Well, how does that relate to such a... Folks, every bit of it ties together. And so when people tell me there's so many contradictions... There ain't no way. I know the Bible. Do you hear me? I know the Bible. Take your best shots, what I tell them. Well, there's just so many. Well, if there's so many, give me one of them. Well, you know, I can't do that. I've had a little bit too much to drink. But even a drunk could come up with one. Come on. Well, just not right now. Well, Google it. You know, whatever you need to do. Give me, let me take a shot at that. I'm so confident that there's not... Give me your best shot, and I'll undo your argument about the contradiction of the Bible in five minutes or less. Take your shot, I tell them. Well, folks, they're not. There's a continuity for that. So this ties everything together so it can be bound firmly together. Folks, listen. The necessity for strong and sound doctrine is to close those loopholes that have found themselves in the body of Christ. We created all these loopholes. Well, you know what? I I don't want to serve a God that's like that. Well, don't. Go to hell then. I don't want to serve a God that judges people. Well, you're going to serve one. You know, and he will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He's going to put the sheep on one hand and the goats on the other. You're going, to, you're going to suffer it anyway. Folks, when I got born again, you know what I realized? That he's God and I'm not. That's how deep the revelation was. You're God. You're great big. You're in charge. And there's not a thing in the world that I could do to ever change that. Okay, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to get in alignment with you because I tell you what, you existed before I was ever even a thought. You have always been. You are God all by yourself. You are the self-existent one. You did not need me. You were not on some celestial ego trip. Amen. You demonstrated your love towards me that while I was yet a sinner, you sent your son Jesus to die for me when I was ungodly, when I was not a reflection of you, when I was not in alignment with your prescribed order or pattern. You hear me? So I can follow that God. Amen. I can follow him anywhere because it's always going to turn out in my benefit. Even before I was born, God chose me into his, by his, and called me by his marvelous grace. And so that loophole gets closed when we have good, sound doctrine because what it does, it demonstrates and communicates the, the continuity and the congruity of the, of the word of God as it relates to both co- co- covenants. Folks, we can't say to ourselves, listen, I'm only interested in the new covenant, not the old covenant. Folks, it's it's a covenant that works in unity to one another. One is the type and shadow. One is the revelation. One is a tabernacle, and one is God choosing to dwell inside of his people. Do you hear me? And so the reasons that these Judaizers were able to slip in and lure the Galatian church into following this false gospel is the exact same reason that error and false doctrine are regularly being served up from pulpits all across this nation. Same reason. I'm going to give you what they are. Number one. People are largely ignorant of anything related to the word that goes beyond basic information that applies to them. Most people only read the Bible to find out what it's going to do for them. That's it. Oh, let me see. Let me give me a scripture. I don't know if they still sell them anymore. They used to sell these things called your daily bread. Remember that little promise cards? And I, I remember my, my, my mom, bless her heart. My mom sits gone to be with the Lord, but I, I remember, before she's even serve the Lord, she's like, oh, Lord, I need a word from you. It was like the Jesus lotto. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are laughing because you did the same thing, didn't you? Lord, I need a word. Let me flip the Bible. up. Oh, no, that ain't my word. Let me flip it again. Folks, listen, that's not how God speaks. Come on. People are just ignorant of things unless it applies to them. And the second thing is people have sacrificed transformational truth. That's established upon eternal principles. You hear me? They sacrificed transformational truth that's established upon eternal principles for emotional experiences that react to temporal understanding. So we want—we want an emotional experience. You know, I went to church. Well, how did it make you feel? Transformational truth. You can have my notes when I'm done. I'll give you the whole shooting match. Caleb, sorry, you have to get the copy. What we've done is we've traded eternal truth that changes you. Folks, you know what makes free? Not a good experience. Not tears spilling across the altar. The truth is what makes us free. Why? Because the truth is what brings us into alignment with Jesus, the character of Christ. That's who reveals it to us. Then there's a freedom. What emotions do is they bring us into a bondage waiting for the next emotion. And here's what we say. Man, I went to church. I don't like that. I just didn't feel anything. So that's what you came for? You want to feel something? Come here. I'll smack you around a little bit. You'll feel that. <laughs> Rather than saying, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me because I want you to transform me and give me something that's going to last longer than a moment. Folks, that's what I got. Do you hear me? Man, I'm an excitable type of guy. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, when when all of the excitement fades and all those other things and I'm having to press through and endure, man, I want to be able to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Not say to myself, Man, I'm so glad I went to church because oh Pastor Brandon hit the right notes, or, or or Kyle sung my favorite song, or or that's Kelsey, God just blessed her little heart. She just blessed me saying I I want it to be bigger than that. I want it to be something that's reflecting Jesus. So having said that, Paul the Apostle, Galatians 519, is closing that loophole by eliminating all these inconsistencies in relationship to God, by demonstrating that the pattern revealed in the gospel that he taught was a revelation of God's original intent. That's what it was. It was a, a revelation of God's original intent. Here's what he said. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Now, Folks, we hear stuff like that. And we say, well, is that, so is that he talking about predestination? Does this mean that Paul really had no choice in the matter? Or what about Jeremiah 1-5? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What what, what about those things? Folks, you've got to be careful when you're studying the Word of God in regards to attempting really to establish some type of doctrinal truth or prescribed pattern based upon a statement that was never meant to be a template for those things. You hear me? Men will take a proverb. They'll say stuff like, you know, if a man doesn't, work he doesn't eat. That's a proverbial statement. Okay? Now folks, I know a lot of people that don't work that eat. Most of y'all this week. You hear what I'm saying? I got a few interns that that's the truth, you know. They avoid work, but they're still eating. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's a proverbial statement. It's a it's 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 a it's it's something that's a standard. so that's not meant to be quote unquote something that a doctrine's built upon. Or the use of a Hebraism. Anybody familiar with the term a Hebraism? Like what? Absolutely not. I didn't expect you to be. I just ask you that. <laughs> what a Hebraism! It's a it's a figure of speech that's 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 that's, that's uh, relative relevant to the Hebrew language, and it's a linguistic usage. It's easy for me to say, custom or other feature that's borrowed from a particular heritage in the Hebrew language or the Jewish people for their culture that incorporates some type of descriptive wording to convey a. And so when Paul the Apostle was saying, even before I was born, God chose me and called me in his marvelous grace. Now, who's speaking? A Hebrew. Uh, 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 He was a Jew. And so he's going to use that same type of language to an audience that understood that type of language. You hear me? And so when we try to speak it or hear those things from our westernized mind, it's kind of like Jesus hanging up on the cross and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We think, oh, God turned his back on himself. He's double-minded that God's a house divided against himself. What happened? And because God cannot look upon sin. We build these doctrines. Well, they don't realize that that's Psalms 22. He's just quoting from a messianic psalm, and his audience knew the rest of it, which wasn't God turning his back on his on his son. That's what I'm talking about. You can't just extract something and build a doctrine on it. Another way to say it would be, even before, here's what Paul was saying. Even before I existed, even before I obtained all those credentials that I acquired as a Jewish leader, even before I had anything to do, it had anything to do with me personally, God had already established a pattern wherein he would once again dwell with mankind. That's what Paul's saying in in, in Galatians 1.15. Listen, before I existed, before I had all the the credentials that I I shared with you from Philippians chapter 3, before any of those things happened, God had already established a pattern to bring men back into alignment in relationship with him. Revelation 13.8 refers to Jesus as the lamb slain when? So he already had a pattern. He already had a way. He already established something to bring men back to that place where he could dwell inside of them. Before man broke from fellowship with God in the fall, God had already established a standard wherein he would reconcile the world back to himself. This would be modeled in the Old Testament through the tabernacle and manifested in the new covenant through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so Paul personally, I believe, and intentionally personalized this message because the law, which had been obviously infiltrating through the Judaizers, did not provide for a personal experience. So Paul personalized it. Listen, I'm telling you, before I was even around, before I even knew anything, before I was formed, then God did something. He provided a way. Why? Because the law was so impersonal. It was just the law of sin and death. But we know from Romans chapter 8 that the law of the Spirit, that same Spirit that dwells inside of me, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. And So even before I was born, he personalized it, not just for himself, but for all. And that was the heart of the whosoever will message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the Jews I am not even near done with that verse, and I apologize for that. But we're going to wrap up tonight because I want to take just a second. If you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, newsflash, it's not a Jesus problem. It's not. There is no reason that any believer should not walk in victory except... It is our sin that separated us from him. Now, folks, listen, we, we could talk about and get people crying and, and, and manipulate people. And they say, oh, listen, I was on my phone and I looked at a naked girl or I you know, was gossiping about somebody and all that other stuff. I'm not even talking about that type of sin. That's obvious. You hear me? Don't do that nonsense. Repent from that, that filth. You know what? You don't know have a no place in you. But what about that sin, that deviating from the truth? That's what the word said. It said, for the son of perdition, before the son of perdition is revealed, there'll be a great falling away first. There'll be just an apostasia in the Greek, just a deviation from the truth. I can just get a little bit off kilter, and it just doesn't fit anymore. It's kind of like running a bolt through something, and it just keeps hitting the edge. It's like, man, it it just needs to be adjusted a little bit. Folks, I believe that most people in this room here, maybe with some exceptions, I don't know, God will reveal it. I believe most people that aren't walking in the victory that you desire, whether you're young or old, is because it's just offset just a little bit. Just the pattern has just been shifted just enough to almost look like a double exposure in your life. And it just doesn't look right. Folks, what's the key to that? It's getting back to that pattern that God has. Well, he gave us that pattern in his word. He tells us, number one, to be born again. But he also gives a pattern, he says, listen, he said, you shall receive power, Acts 1 and 8, after the Spirit of God has come upon you to be my witness, to be that reflection, to be that person that demonstrates those qualities. When the Spirit of God comes upon a person, man, there is a victory that cannot be explained in the natural. I'll I'll give you an example. I remember as a young man, young man, this really, and I'm talking about, Preteen, even a young man just being exposed to the Spirit of God and seeing those things happen and just falling in love with with Jesus and desiring after those things. I mean, I remember we had this we had this family Bible. There was the only one in the house, and again, I didn't come from this devout Christian family, but it was the only one that like had maps and some stuff in the back and explanations. But it was this great big family Bible, that was bound in white. But John three sixteen may have one of them over at the store, the Bible bookstore. And it had a big old picture on the front of a blue-eyed Jesus on the front, and man, I would carry that. I, I had to look look ridiculous. I was I, I was just a, a little guy, but I had that 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 big family Bible with the blue-eyed Jesus, and I would carry it around, and and I was marking that thing up and reading those things. I had a genuine hunger for. Them. Now I had a family that at that time, praise God, God delivered them from it. Much later on, they were alcoholics and just trouble and all these things that were happening. But man, there was something inside of me that just did not want to follow that pattern. And so I, I, I maintained, I did good. Then I got those few years in my teenage years, and man, I broke from that pattern somehow. And I remember my late teens, just crying out to God, and saying, "God, I need something else. I just I feel powerless." So I began to look through the book of Acts, and I began to see what happened. These men that struggled through the gospel, suddenly they didn't struggle anymore. The Peter, the, the, the Peter that, was a, that, that, that vowed that, God, if, if no one else follows you, I'll follow you. And, and before the, 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 the rooster crowed, he was denying Christ and cursing and all these things. But man, suddenly on the day of Pentecost, he stood up with the 11. He began to preach a message, and 3,000 people got saved, and he never looked back. Paul the Apostle in his Damascus Road experience, something happened with this man that became a was previously a persecutor of all those things that were good. And and I just looked at the pattern of all these men that eventually just gave their life for the gospel. It wasn't some ebb and flow of a perpetual backsliding and and, and a recommitment. And I began to look as as a teenager and I said, what was the difference in them? Well, it was the Holy Spirit tabernacling, not just around them, but in them. That it wasn't just God revealing himself to me and revealing the sacrifice and the truth of salvation. That i got to put my faith in this this God that one day was here 2,000 years ago and he died. And and if I just believe that what he did 2,000 years ago, that I'll be saved and I don't have to go to hell. That I needed something more than that. And he said it's expedient that I should go away, that I could send you another comforter who won't just be with you. But he's going to be inside of you. I wasn't looking for an emotional fix. Man, I was looking to pattern my heart and life after Jesus. And he provided that pattern in the person of the Holy Spirit. And man, I remember crying out to God and saying, God, you know what? I see what your word says, and I don't have, I don't have that power. I don't have that strength. I don't. I don't have what it, I don't have. What's leading and guiding me into all truth? I don't. I, I look at the word and it's good stuff, and I can say that stuff. But man, God, it just it don't feel like I can go deep. I'm, an, I'm a mile wide and just a, an inch deep. It's just no depth to my understanding, and there's no uh, no 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 longevity to my witness and my hope. Man, I began to read that word, and the Spirit of God came upon these people, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And a continuity and a power came into their life. Folks, if you're just existing without that promise of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, you're going to get war completely out. You are. Said, so, sorry, I didn't get that. I'll repeat it. Even his phone's going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost tonight. You know you're preaching with sure even answers you. amen. I didn't get that. If you're not walking in victory, if you're not getting that hope, it's because you need the person of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Do you hear me? Folks, it's not a magic act. Do you hear me? I'm not that guy. It's a matter of asking for the Spirit of God to come. in. That's what I did. I wasn't looking for some weird emotional experience. I wasn't looking for the freak show or all that emotional experience, I I legitimately needed help. I wanted to walk in victory. I wanted the power of God operating in my life. And I asked him for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came into my life all those many decades ago, and I have never had a reason to look back. Never. Why? Because I fell in line with his pattern. We're going to pray quickly tonight.